Turn to John chapter... Well, that was horrible. John chapter 15. We're in a series entitled Revealing the Mystery. And we're talking about revealing the mystery of Jesus through the eyes of John, going through the book of John. If you weren't here for the beginning of the series, you may want to go back and get John chapter 1 and why we're going through the book of John, that it is a gospel, but it is not a synoptic gospel. It's different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and it has its own special uniqueness to it. And so I want you to go through that. Now, you have homework every week, and your homework is to read the chapter that I preach on. For instance, this week it will be to read John 15, and to read the next chapter I'm going to preach on, John chapter 16. So last week you had homework, and it's been a while since I've given you a pop quiz to see if you've done your homework. But I'm going to let, I'm going to be gracious to you this week. I'm not going to do a pop quiz today. But I'm letting you know next week you will have a quiz. I'm going to ask you next week, I'm going to say, how many of you did your homework? In other words, read John 15, John 16. I'm going to ask you and you'll I'm going to raise your hand, and then I'm going to say, now, for those of you that did not do your homework, I want you to stand up and sing the national anthem. (laughs) So I'm letting you know right now that you need to do your homework this week, all right? And don't skip church next week. Don't skip class if you don't do your homework, all right? I won't won't have you stand up. I'm just joking with you, but I, I want you to read the Bible, all right? This week we're going to talk in John 15, the secret of success. John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the Word which I've spoken to you. I just want you to notice, verse 3 doesn't even seem to fit in this. He's talking about bearing fruit and abiding in the vine. It doesn't seem to fit, but I'll tell you why in a moment that it does fit, and it's very important that it's there. Verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified. Now, this should be a very important verse to us. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. And so you will be my disciples. Now, I want you to notice that Jesus said the way that his Father is glorified is by us bearing fruit. The reason I said this message is the secret of success is because fruitfulness is success. Bearing fruit is successful. In other words, God wants your marriage to bear fruit. God wants you to bear fruit. God wants your ministry to bear fruit. He wants your job to bear fruit for Him. He wants your children to bear fruit. He wants your relationships to bear fruit. He wants everything about our lives to bear fruit or to be successful. He wants us to be successful in everything that we do. 
And I wanted to just clarify to you that every one of you here has a ministry. Every person, every believer has a ministry. If you haven't discovered what your ministry is yet, you need to discover your ministry because you weren't put on earth to practice law or medicine or teach school. That may be the vehicle in which you do your ministry, but your ministry is to people. And God has given every person a gift and desires for every one of us to be ministering to people. He desires for us to be fruitful, and He desires for us to be successful. So let me give you some keys about being successful, all right? And we're going to use the word fruitful because God uses that in this in John 15. So number one, the secret of fruitfulness is abiding. I want you to notice how many times in John 15 that we just read in the first eight verses, He said, you have to abide in Me. If you abide in Me, then you will bear fruit. The only way that we're going to bear fruit is through Him. Let's go back and look at verses 4 and 5 again. Verse 4 says, Abide in Me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Cannot, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in Me. Now watch what he says here. It's almost like verse 5 should start with these words. Read my lips. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Now I want you to just notice that last phrase. Without me you can do nothing. Now let's take the word nothing and break it down into the two words that it comes from. It's one word, but it comes from two words. What are the two words that nothing comes from? No thing. It's real simple. Here's what Jesus is saying. Without me, you do no thing. You don't do marriage without me. You don't raise children without me. You don't succeed at your job without me. You aren't healthy without me. You're not going to succeed financially without me. You're not going to have good relationships without me. Without me, you can do no thing. Now, you contrast that to Philippians 4.13. Philippians 4.13 says... I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I just want you to notice, through Christ, all things. Without Christ, no things. Are you catching this? I hope you notice that I didn't read any verse about some things. There's nothing in there about some things. This is what he says. Without me, no things. Through me, all things. Whatever our ministry is, whatever God's called us to do, our family, our relationships, our health, our job, it's all through Christ. It's all by abiding in Him. That's the way we bear fruit. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe you're like me. For many years, I tried to produce that fruit. I thought, I've got to produce love. I've got to produce joy. I've got to produce goodness. I've got to produce gentleness. I'm going to be gentle today. I am going to be gentle. No matter what it takes, I'm going to be gentle today. Well, what I realized is that it doesn't say the fruit of Robert is. It says the fruit of the Spirit is. In other words, he's the one that produces the fruit. I'm just the the branch. I'm just the display case for the fruit. If I want to produce love, I abide in him. If I want to produce joy and peace, or if I want to have joy and peace, I abide in Him. You understand what I'm saying? If you take a branch and you cut it off from the tree, it's not going to produce fruit. The only way that we can produce fruit is by being attached or connected to Him. 
It'd be like if you worked at Home Depot and you worked at the return counter at Home Depot and a guy walks in and he's got a water hose and he says, I'd like to return this water hose, please. And you say, well, sure, um, what's wrong with it? Well, it doesn't have any water in it. It says right here, water hose. I took this hose, I shook it over my plants, I held this end over the plants, I held the other end over the plants, there's no water. I didn't ask for an air hose, and this hose has air in it, but it does not have water in it. Now, hopefully, that would not happen. It might, but hopefully it won't happen. But obviously, you would say to the person, did you connect it? It's connected to a source that has water. Because there's nothing in the hose, it's just a conduit. It's the same with an extension cord or an electrical cord. It has to be connected to the power. Now, this is what you came to hear this morning. Let me just explain to you what this message is all about. Listen carefully. You are nothing more than a water hose and an extension cord. I'm encouraging you this morning. That's why you came to church, to be encouraged. You're a water hose. You have no water on your own. None. But you can connect to the source. And water represents life. You have no life on your own, but you can connect to the source of life. And electricity represents power. You have no power on your own, but you can connect to the source of power. So here's the obvious question. How connected are you? How connected to God are you? Do you connect every morning? If you disconnect sometime during the day, you blow it, do you reconnect very quickly? Or do you allow the devil to talk you out of it and say, don't, don't tell God you blew it because then he'll be mad at you. And, and then you go two or three days without reconnecting. And now when we talk about connecting, I'm not talking about being saved. This is why that verse 3 was thrown in there. He's talking about abiding in him and bearing fruit. But notice what he says in verse 3. This is what he says. Verse 3 says, you are already clean because of the word I spoke to you. You know what he's saying? I'm not talking about your salvation, guys. You're saved by grace. You're already clean because of me, because of the word that I spoke to you. See, we're saved by grace. But even as a believer, we need to connect with God. And we need to connect with other believers. See, if when we say, how connected are you? Let me put it in a very practical uh, sense. How connected to the body of Christ are you? The church is the body of Christ. How connected to the body of Christ are you? Have you gone through membership classes? Are you in a life group? Are you in some area of the church serving? Are you doing something? Or do you just attend every now and then? Now, I'm not putting you down if you have a busy schedule. But what I'm saying is, if you want to bear more fruit, connect to the vine. Be as connected as you can be. And don't give me this baloney about, I'm, I, well, I'm part of the universal church. You need to be a part of a local church. The universal church won't be there when you're in the hospital. And the universal church won't give you marriage counseling. And the universal church can't speak into your life when you need someone to speak into your life. You need to connect to a local church, to a body of believers that can get to know you and you get to know them and you can have a relationship and iron can sharpen iron and you can get more like Jesus. We have all sorts of floaters in the Metroplex. The Metroplex is probably the home of floating believers. People float all just from one, one church to the other. I call them butterflies and bullfrogs. Flitting around and hopping around all the time. Here's what butterflies do. Butterflies flit around from church to church, and they never light very long in one place. 
They just kind of flit around. I've even had people tell me, I say, where, where do you go to church? I go to a lot of churches. And you're never going to produce much for the kingdom of God either. Because somebody needs to know you and be able to speak into your life and build a relationship with you. You need to connect somewhere. Butterflies just flit around. You know people like this, they just flit around. And here's what they, they want to be on the flower that in their opinion has the most sunlight on it at a time. If a church seems to be really doing something, they'll go there for a while, but then in a little while they'll get mad at them. They'll, they'll, they, they can't be a, a, a big boss or whatever, so they'll go somewhere else. Then they go here, they go here, and they never... Let me tell you something about butterflies. They don't live very long, and they don't produce anything. That's a butterfly. You know what a bullfrog is? A bullfrog will come sit on your lily pad until you touch him and try to develop relationship with him. Then he'll blow up and hop off somewhere else. And now we got a lot of people like that. I'm telling you, don't be a butterfly and don't be a bullfrog. Get in a church. If it's not this church, get in some church. But get in a church and stay and be connected and get involved in that church. Because you're going to bear fruit if you're connected to the vine. All right, so that's the first thing. Fruitfulness, the secret of fruitfulness is abiding. Here's the second thing. The secret of abiding is obedience. The secret of abiding is obedience. Let's look down. Just keep going on down in John chapter 15. Look at verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Notice the correlation between keeping commandments and abiding. Notice. It's all through here. Look at verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. And verse 17, these things I command you, that you love one another. Now notice, he's, he's using the word command. I don't know why, but Jesus did not use the word suggest very much. He never said, these things I suggest to you. You might want to take them under consideration. No, he uses the word command. Do you know why? Because he's God. And he can use the word command. He didn't give us the ten suggestions. He gave us the ten commandments. And if you want to abide, obey. The secret of abiding is obeying. If you don't obey, you're not going to produce anything. You're not going to have any fruit. If a farmer doesn't sow his field, he's not going to have any fruit. He's not going to have any crop. You're going to have to obey. Here's how Deuteronomy puts it. Deuteronomy 11 says, Behold, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and the curse if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way which I command you to go after other gods which you have not known. It's real simple. Here's what he says. You want to be blessed? Obey. You don't want to be blessed? Don't obey. Fruitfulness comes from abiding, but abiding comes from obedience. In other words, fruitfulness comes from obedience. There's a principle in the Bible that we need to understand. It's a very simple principle. It's called sowing and reaping. And this is what it is. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. That's it. Now, I understand that many of us have sown some bad seeds in the past, and now we're sowing good seeds. I understand. I'm in that boat as well. I've sowed a lot of bad seeds in the past. I'm now sowing good seeds. I understand that. This is one of the main questions, though, that I'm asked. People will say to me, Robert, I've repented. I'm doing the right thing, but my wife's still mad at me. My children are still upset with me because I was a very bad person. I did a lot of bad things. 
financially, I'm still in a hole. I, 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 did, I didn't do my finances the way God wanted me to. I didn't tithe. I bought things on credit. And now I'm all, I've got all these problems. And But, Robert, I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing the right thing, but I'm still dealing with all these problems from the past. I understand. Let me explain it to you. You're reaping what you've sown. I know that doesn't sound kind, but it is the truth. You sowed a lot of bad seeds. Now you have a bad crop. But let me explain something to you. Now you're sowing good seeds. So eventually, you will have a good crop. If you won't stop and get discouraged and start sowing bad seeds again, that's what the devil wants you to do. The devil wants to say, see, it's not working. Here you are serving God, but you're still in debt. Your family's still mad at you. It's not working, and he wants you to give up. This is what Galatians 6 says. Look at this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Now watch verse 9 carefully. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. See that? Here's what he's saying. Don't grow weary. Don't grow weary in doing the right thing because a good crop will come up. I understand. I understand. Believe me, I understand reaping a bad crop because I sowed a lot of bad seeds. And I understand even years after becoming a believer, things still coming up from your past. I understand that. But I'm not going to get discouraged and go back and start sowing those bad seeds again because I know how bad the crop is. I'm going to keep sowing good seeds and continually that good crop continues to come up. It's wonderful. So, now, you say, okay, you told me the secret of fruitfulness is abiding. Then you said the secret of abiding is obeying. But I just need to tell you something, Pastor. I have a problem with obeying. I mean, I won't obey, but i got a problem. So you're telling me that if I'm going to bear fruit, I've got to abide, and if I'm going to abide, I've got to obey. Well, you need to tell me the secret of obedience, okay? I'll tell it to you, but it's not what you think it is. And it's a little different than what you think, and you're going to think, well, I don't understand that at all when I tell you, but I'll explain it to you. The secret of obedience is abiding. Now, I know this doesn't make sense, but if you've noticed, a lot of God doesn't make sense, Okay? For instance, everything with God is backward. Do you realize that? Everything with God is backward. God says, if you want to receive, give. That's backward. Isn't that backwards? God says, if you want to live, die. That's real backwards. Isn't that backwards? Here's another one. If you want to have authority, get under authority. Hey, have you ever, do you remember those guys in high school you say, no one's going to tell me what to do? No, I'm not going to let anyone tell me what to do. Every one of them now are in jail or in the army. Right? Why? Because if you want to be the boss, you've got to be under somebody. It's all opposite with God. Okay, so here's what I'm telling you. If you want to abide, you have to obey. But if you want to obey, you have to abide. The secret of obeying is abiding. In other words, the way we obey is we abide. And the way we abide is we obey. Here's what I'm telling you. The way you're going to obey is by the power of God, not by your own power. The way that you're going to be able to obey is to allow God to work through your life because you can't do it on your own. I can't do it on my own. The closer I get to Him, the more obedient I am. And here's the great thing. I want you to understand. When we become believers, God puts the desire to obey in our hearts. I want to show you this scripture. Look at Jeremiah 31. Verse 31 says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, 
when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband then, says the Lord. But this is the covenant. Watch this importantly. This is the new covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Now, let me explain. This is a biblical promise to the nation of Israel. This is one of the reasons we are sowing into the nation of Israel. Why we have these Israeli pastors in. Because we know that the covenant is still for them. And we also know that when the nation of Israel accepts their Messiah, it will bring revival to the whole world, is what Romans 11 says. That is a great thing. So we are going to sow into them. So, But let me also explain to you, by faith, I, as a Gentile, get grafted in to this new covenant. This new covenant is for me as well, because I have accepted the Messiah. And because I've accepted Him, I now am a part of the new covenant. And here's the new covenant. God has written His law in my mind and on my heart. That's good. That's real good. In other words, what that means is, His law, or that's His desire. I have the desires of God on my heart and in my mind. I, I want to do the right thing now. I want to. Before I was a believer, I didn't want to do the right thing. As a matter of fact, if you ever said to me, this is the one thing I don't want you to do, that's what I wanted to do right there. It, it, I think my parents finally figured it out. They started using what, you know, reverse psychology, you know. Don't go to bed on time. <laughs> of course, then I would figured it out by then, and so I didn't go to bed on time. But I was very rebellious. Why? Because I didn't have the desire of God written on my heart. But when I was 19, I became a believer. And when I became a believer, God wrote, this is amazing, God wrote His laws in my mind and on my heart. And I want to do the right thing now. You say, okay, that's me. I want to, but I still don't do it. Well, what can I do? Well, the good news is He's given you the desire to obey, but I'm going to tell you what the better news is. The better news is He's given you the power to obey. Here's a scripture we normally don't relate to this. Acts 1, verse 8. Acts 1.8 says, But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the utmost ends of the earth. Now, here's the point. Here's what he says. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to receive power. Power to what? Power to be a witness. He didn't say power to do witnessing. See, when we think about witnessing, we think about sharing, talking to someone about the Lord, and that's part of it. But here's what he said. I'm not giving you power just to talk about it. I'm, power, I'm giving you power to do it. I'm giving you power to be a witness. See, would I be a witness, would I be a good witness, if I talked about Jesus, but I was an alcoholic, a gambler, and uh, neglected my family, beat my wife, and kids are on drugs? Would I be a witness? No, I wouldn't be a good witness at all. I'd just be a person who talks about it, right? Here's what he's given me. When the Holy Spirit comes on me, I have the power to be a witness. My marriage is now a witness to the power of God. My children are a witness to the power of God, to doing things right. My finances are a witness to obeying the principles of God. See, my life is a witness. I not only have the desire to obey, I have the power to obey. 
That's what I want you to know. By the power of God, God comes in, changes our hearts, gives us the desire to do the right thing, but He also gives us the power to do the right thing. So, the secret of fruitfulness is abiding. Being connected and staying connected to Him. The secret of abiding is obeying. Doing the right thing. And we do have to do the right thing. Say, well, I need to know how to do that. Then abide in Him. Get to know Him. Love Him. Serve Him. Read His Word. Get connected to the local body. And the more connected, the more you abide, the more you will obey. Now, here's the last thing I want to tell you. God wants us to be fruitful. God wants us to be fruitful. Look down at verse 16 of chapter 15. He says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give you. I just want you to notice very carefully what this verse says. This verse says, You didn't choose me. You may think you did, but you didn't. I chose you. I, for God so loved the world that He gave. I came after you. I came looking for you. And I chose you and appointed you that you should bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Now, why did He choose us? Why did He appoint us? He appointed us to bear fruit. Bearing fruit is a big deal to God. It is a big deal to God. Let me just show you a few more scriptures. The first thing that God ever said to Adam and Eve, first thing He ever said, Adam and Eve. Do you remember what he said? the first thing he said? He creates man and woman, and he says, listen, here's the first words, Genesis 1.28. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. First thing he ever said. Don't you think the first thing that he said would be important? Be fruitful and multiply. Now, I'm telling you, God wants us to be fruitful. Now, then he, the, the earth populates, and everyone's evil, and they're all doing the wrong thing. There's only one righteous family left. So he destroys the whole earth and leaves one family. And here's the first thing he says to that family when they get off the ark. Genesis 9-1. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. First thing he said to them. Then he makes the covenant with Abraham. And the first thing he says to Abraham after he makes the covenant, Genesis 17-6, he says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. Then years later, he changes his grandson's name from Jacob to Israel, Genesis 35, verse 10. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel, and God said to him, first thing he says to him after he changes his name, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. And in Colossians, Paul prays that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work. All right. No doubt God wants us to be fruitful. Be fruitful, multiply. Be fruitful, be fruitful, be fruitful. I'm studying this this last week. And I thought, okay, God, I got it. I got it. You want us to be fruitful. But here's what I don't get. Why? And I, and I talked to the Lord very openly. I said to him, why do you keep harping on this? Why is this such a big deal to you? Why is it the first thing you say when you create man and woman? Why is it the first thing you said when Noah gets off her? Why is it the first thing you say after you make covenant with Abraham? Why is it the first thing when you change Jacob's name to Israel, which is a very significant event in history? Why is it the first thing? Why? 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 And I couldn't figure it out. I studied. I studied. I prayed. Couldn't figure it out. Finally, I decided I'm going to take a break. So I got up from my office, walked into the kitchen. Debbie and my oldest son are in the kitchen. They said, how's it going? I said, it's going great, except I can't figure something out. I said, I, I'm going to tell everyone Sunday, God wants us to be fruitful. 
And but I don't know why. I have no idea why he wants us to be fruitful. I mean, he's harped on this thing. This is a big deal to him, and I, I can't figure it out. So she said, "Well, tell me what you're studying." So I told her. I said, "He creates Adam and Eve." And he says, "Be first thing he says, be fruitful." He destroys everybody, starts all over again. First thing he says to Noah, "Be fruitful." And while I'm telling her this, it just landed on me like a ton of bricks. And I'm standing in my kitchen, and I start crying. And I said, I know. I know. Now I know. I know why God said be fruitful. And Debbie said, why? And I said, because he wants children. He wants children. Think about this. He creates Adam and Eve in his image. In his image. And here's what he says to them. Please, give me children. Please. He creates them with the ability to reproduce says, please give me children. But they sin. So their children are sinful. And every person is sinful and rebellious until there's just one righteous family left on earth. So he destroys everybody on earth except for this one family. And then he says that one family, please give me children. But that one family sins. And all of their children are rebellious. So then he comes to Abraham and he says, I'm going to make a covenant with you. And all you got to do to get on this covenant is believe. That's all you got to do. I've already figured out you can't obey. i got that figured out. So I just want you to believe. That's it. Just believe. And by the way, please, Abraham, please, give me children. And then he comes to his grandson and says, I'm going to change your name, which represents changing your nature. I'm going to change your nature from Jacob, which means deceiver, to Israel, which means prince of God. I'm going to change you from being a deceiver to being a prince of God. And please, please give me children. But his children turned away as well. And so finally God said, I want children so badly that I'm going to send my own son. And I'm going to send my son to pay for all of their sins. And all they've got to do is receive him. You realize this is the theme of the whole Bible, is God wants children. It's the theme of John. We started here. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, But as many as received him, To them he gives power to become the children of God, to those that believe on his name. Can I tell you something? God wants you. He wants you. In the same way and even more than you love your own children, he loves you. He wants children. The reason he wants us to be fruitful is because he wants more children. He wants as many children as he can have. And he took care of everything that needed to be taken care of when he sent his son Jesus. You say, well, he knew. Obviously, he knew with Adam and Eve. He knew with Noah. He knew with Abraham. Yeah, he knew. You know why he kept saying it over and over again? Because he wanted us to catch it. He wanted us to understand how much he wants children. So he sent his own son to die for us so he could adopt us.